good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Truck Tech here on FreightWaves TV. My name is Alan Adler. I am the Midwest Bureau Chief for FreightWaves and your host. We have an interesting and timely show for you today. We're going to be looking at powertrains, truck, truck powertrains specifically, and we have news that drives a lot of what we're talking about today. So we're going to be joined by Jose Semperio, who is the Executive Director of On Highway uh, uh Trucking for Cummins Incorporated, and also by Andrew Robel. Andrew is an analyst with Ryan Associates, the Michigan-based powertrain consultancy. And uh, both of these gentlemen, I think, had, know plenty about the subject. And it's always fun, really, when we when we have a show where we can actually, uh, you know, run off of the news. We've had a chance to do that a couple of times. Uh, Cummins helped us out this week by announcing something. They seem to really like Valentine's Day. And so they are, uh, th th that was their trigger point for their announcement of a new powertrain. We'll get into that in just a little bit. A couple quick headlines, three quick headlines for you. Uh, first, a platform science, uh, which is getting more and more traction with major truck makers, is now working with Cat Scales to uh, add the weighing app, truck weighing app, and also the uh, uh, locator app to the uh, platform science uh, suite of apps that you can get on the trucks. Uh, that was announced earlier today. Also, Cake and Candles to our friends at Kenworth, they're beginning the celebration for their 100th anniversary uh, this week. They are going to have a couple of uh, special edition trucks. The uh, T680 and the W900 will be in special edition dress. Unfortunately, if you want a W900, you're already too late. They're sold out for, for the year. However, um, the Kenworth uh, will be looking back, taking a long look back really over the next 12 months, back to 1923. It's kind of a shame though, really, that the 1923 TV show has already taken. The Yellowstone folks got there first. Uh, finally, uh, Volvo Trucks and its sibling, uh, Mack Trucks, is is going to offer Gilbarco Vitor um, uh, a, a uh, charging equipment for direct shipment to uh, purchasers and lessees of the Volvo VNR Electric and the Mac LR refuse truck. Uh, so that is uh, an addition. Volvo started that a while back with uh, uh, with making direct shipments, and now both companies are doing that. They keep doing more and more to get people ready for uh, electrification and to try to make it as easy as possible. More uh, tech notes like that you can find on Fridays in Truck Check, the newsletter, which uh, which will be out uh, about 11 a.m. in the East. And you can also read it on the website or you can subscribe right there on the screen, FreightWaves.com. You can uh, look that up. Okay, let's get on to the show and welcome our guests, uh, Jose Samperio joins us from Cummins. And thank you, Jose. I guess you had a tough trip getting in on time. That was great. Uh, Jose brings nearly 20 years of experience uh, from Cummins in engineering and in service strategy to this, what is still a new role as the head of On Highway for the company. Uh, his last two years, he's been the executive director of sales for the on uh, for the on highway business in North and South America, lots of global experience. He's worked in China, he's worked in Brazil, um, and he's an industry player. You know, he's on the board of directors for the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. He is also on the board of governors for the National Private Truck Council and the American Transportation Research Institute's uh, advisory committee. Um, so plenty to do there. And oh, one more: the American Trucking Association's. Technology and Engineering Policy Committee. Um, Jose, welcome to the show. We also have with us today uh, Andrew Robel. Andrew is an analyst with 
Rhine Associates, the global powertrain uh, uh, maker, excuse me, not maker, the analysis firm uh, in, in Canton, Michigan. And Andrew, uh, you know, has worked in the past for Eaton Corporation, where he worked on the electrification strategies there. And also before Eaton, he was with IHS Market, which is now uh, part of S&P Global and uh, worked on mostly light vehicle applications. So gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Great to have you here today. Uh, should have some fun with this topic. Jose, good job getting here, buddy. Uh, you had, you guys had me nervous. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just landing in and I cruise in, uh, to one of our branches here that is near the airport. So uh, yeah, I couldn't miss it, Alan. I couldn't miss it. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're here. I, you know, I, that's one of the late, late changes that we almost had to make. Didn't have to do it. Andrew, you did it the right way and got here just when you were supposed to. Hey, let's get started, guys. We, you, you know, the, you made some news this week, Jose. The company did with the announcement of the of the X10 engine. This, uh, uh, I don't know if it catches everyone by surprise. Maybe you've been working on it. I'm sure you have for quite some time. But this idea of a tweener engine, if you will, uh, coming between the medium and heavy duty uh, segments is is pretty interesting. Take us through that, will you? I mean, the story on our site has gotten thousands of views, uh, lots of attention to it, but maybe you can recap for us. Yeah, exciting news. You know, engine technology has advanced endlessly over the past 20 years to a time where we don't make them big, 13, 14 liters, and, and now, uh, after all this research experience that we had with the product, then we need to find ways to get more power and torque from a linear body because simulation-based analysis, and rather than adding just metal to the engine, then just seem to have or now we get a very lean engine uh, with torque and high power, and uh, and at, at the same time below. We used to call in the medium duty truck market, but with the power of a big engine, we call it the truck market. So that's the idea of being able to design the X10. It really has its own of a big engine power and torque, but in the body of really a smaller engine like the L9 a platform that makes sense, Alan. Well, Andrew, we've been seeing for a while now the downsizing of, of displacements in, in engines. Is that right? Yes. Yep, and uh, we expect to see it um, further. And so the other big thing, too, with uh, internal combustion engines is when you look to the future of electrification, production in place becomes very important. So a lot of the news that focuses around electric truck adoption um, or zero-emission powertrain-based truck production, uh, building up the, the supply chain for those does take time. So having the supply chain that already exists on the ICE side, just using an alternative fuel makes a lot of sense moving forward. Um, our forecast still shows that the diesel engine will be the primary primary powertrain uh, beyond 2030. And of course, that that's, that's kind of how Cummins sees it too, Jose. I guess the idea being that uh, you know, we we want to um, uh, we we want to offer diesel. We need to offer diesel. It is cleaner than it's ever been, right? But the idea is that you know when the X10 gets started, it really starts as a uh, as a diesel engine, and then moves into some of these other uh, you know kind of top of the block uh, uh, 
other fuels, right? I mean, you know, what hydrogen and hydrogen ice is something, Andrew, that that I think we've been, uh, you know, just starting to hear about. I mean, Cummins has made a pretty big deal of it. Uh, they've got an order for 500 of those trucks from Warner already. And, you know, it's not till 2027. Right, right. Well, that's the emissions uh, regulations that are coming in 2027 are, uh, those are expected to drive a lot of additional technology on internal combustion engines, a lot of additional cost that goes into it. So finding a fuel that could reduce some of that complexity, that's going to be the key. Moving forward is going to be all about reducing complexity, whether that's consolidating engine programs or uh, finding ways to meet the emissions compliance without the additional cost. Yeah, I guess the the uh, whole idea is that, uh, you know, we, we've got to get back to this idea that not allowing, uh, and I did not coin this term, but but the idea of good being the enemy of the best. The idea that California, for example, really doesn't want anything to do with anything that burns anymore. They want electrification, you know, they're okay with hydrogen, but they're not really interested in anything, uh, Jose, uh, since I see you're back with us, um, you know, they're not interested in anything that doesn't burn. And yet your 2050 Destination Zero program looks at getting there, not arriving there, if you will. Yeah, Alan, you know, we describe this era um, as an all solutions kind of era, meaning that uh, applications are diverse and technologies are at different state of maturity. And uh, if really we're going to advance in our sustainability journey as an industry, not just coming, but as an industry, we're going to have to take advantage of all solutions available, including continue to make advancements of diesel and advanced diesel, certainly natural gas and renewable natural gas and a combination of some biofuels, renewable fuels, that the carbon footprint, which is what we're trying to achieve uh, a reduction in it, uh, you're still achieving that way. And uh, so there's still some innovation to be done, even with technology that we have for the past 20 years, there's still innovation to be done, Alan. Well, I think, you know, let's talk natural gas for, for a moment. I mean, if anybody in the industry wants natural gas, they come to Cummins to get it. You're the ones who who do the who do the powertrains and and uh, you know you you sunsetted your 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 deal with um uh oh goodness the name isn't coming to me right now Westport thank Westport. you but you have picked up something new now with uh you know with Rush Enterprises to you know do some uh you know some tanks on trucks and things like that um I guess I'm wondering let's talk natural gas for just a moment guys is this really got a growth pattern to it, especially when we look at renewable natural gas? I, I can take a first crack at it. Yeah, we think so, Alan, we think so. And if you look at uh, the investments that we're making, like you said, a lot of people ask us, well, now that you're ending your partnership with Westport, does that mean that you're taking a step back on natural gas? And But if you're looking closely, in reality, we're doubling down. And just look at the things that we've been able to do. We're going to release a brand new, what we call clean sheet design engine, a 15 liter that we've never had before. We're going to release it next year. And you're exactly right. We're investing uh, in this partnership with Rush on the fuel delivery system. So we have that going. And then you can see all the recent public announcements that we have with partnerships with fuel suppliers like Chevron uh, and Loves, where we're establishing partnership for how do we grow this market jointly together? 
So you look at all of that and then it's like, yeah, there is proof that we see this market is going to grow. And as we think about the trucking industry and our mentality for truckers, trucking companies, carriers, they have to be able to reduce their, 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 their emission carbon footprint, but they have to be able to do it economically and they have to be able to continue to run their operations the way they run it today. And this is why natural gas starts to look very attractive because it's a very similar technology for what the industry is used to run and allows them to continue to operate in a similar manner as they have been operating for the past 50, 60, 80 years. And that's why we believe, we believe that natural gas, uh, there is a future here now yeah. So you put that, uh, and, and Andrew, I want to ask you about this engine because you started it in China, uh, the 15 liter. You're bringing it, I guess, to Jamestown. And, uh, uh, you know, in 2024, you'll start to, to provide it. Andrew, let me ask you about the 15 liter natural gas engine. Is this something that uh, is going to have a place in your forecasting as being, you know, kind of a player or is it a niche? It, it does. It does. So one of the big things we look at with the forecast is use case. And that becomes more important as we start to talk about both alternative fuels and zero emission technologies. So not every vocation, not every body type, not every truck use case is going to be able to use every type of fuel. So every type of fuel will have a place in the future as we meet these emissions targets uh, moving forward. One of the big things with the 15 liter, the opportunity we see is like with uh, uh, Hylion, for instance, running a, a hybrid um, behind it. I know right now their focus is on the 12 liter, but if they move that to the 15 liter where you get a little bit more power, may be able to pull a little bit more weight, um, see a little bit more volume behind that. It's been talked about that hybrid renewable natural gas powertrains are the offer the best well-to-wheel emission strategies of everything. Uh, even though the, the government doesn't necessarily push um, well the wheel, it's all based on tailpipe emissions, it's still a, a viable technology moving forward. Well, there's a certain magic, honestly, around RNG, around renewable natural gas, because it, it doesn't come from a petroleum base. It comes from, you know, animal waste and kind of other disgusting things. But I, I guess the, the, the idea being that, you know, there is a future uh, around renewable natural gas, that's certainly something that, you know, Thomas Healy at Highland talks about. And I see Loves is adding, you know, production capacity for RNG and that sort of thing. Guys, either one of you, what do you think? Is this going to is this going to supplant or supplant the natural gas, you know, petroleum based natural gas? Go, go ahead, Jose. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Like Andrew said, I think it's going to be difficult over the next few years to think that one single technology or one one fuel is going to take over everything else. I think there is going to be a combination, Alan, of uh, for some people uh, availability, just supply availability, or maybe even distribution of uh, uh, compressed natural gas is just going to be easy to source. But definitely, we see a lot of investments in the industry on renewable natural gas. Uh, there's been forecasting done by NGVA, uh, I believe, where they look at how much uh, how much supply there is for renewable natural gas and uh, the feedstock is there for provide to the industry in very large amounts. You've seen these numbers that NGVA has quoted uh, of the amount of natural gas that is utilized in California. Of all the natural gas vehicles that are run in California, the vast majority of them are running renewable natural gas. So as the product expands and more people uh, uh, adopt this technology, then we see the supply for renewable, renewable natural gas growing because uh, the feedstock is there. 
Andrew, I would love yeah. to get your thoughts on it, Andrew. Yeah, and definitely agree. We, we've been seeing the same additional investment in renewable natural gas. Um, I think one of the biggest use cases for natural gas uh, powered trucks right now is in the refuse industry where they have access to renewable gas on sites. Um, so that we expect to continue to at least maintain where it is now, if not grow. We've heard uh, interest from port activity for drayage opportunities with natural gas, uh, similar on renewable natural gas, not just CNG or LNG. Um, so yes, we definitely see increased investment and uh, a, a stronger outlook for uh, natural gas. Jose, one of the things about the 15 liter, and I, I'm not going to get these numbers exactly right, but one of the, 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 the criticisms of natural gas is that you give up torque and you give up power uh, because of the, the, the composition of it. Uh, but your new 15 liter does sort of addresses that in, in a significant way, uh, both on torque and on horsepower. Is that right? That's right, Alan. So this is just physics. It is true that a gaseous fuel in a combustion chamber burns differently than a liquid fuel. That's physics. That's true. But it's also true, as I was explaining, that uh, technology, combustion technology has advanced so much that for the 15 liter natural gas, our goal, our target is to have comparable torque and power as our 15 liter diesel. And that through some advanced uh, combustion processes, we think we can get there, Alan. So that's the goal. Yeah. Uh, let's switch over to hydrogen, guys, because it's getting more attention, uh, not just from us, but really around the world. Uh, you know, uh, Jennifer uh, Rumsey's uh, predecessor, Tom Weinberger, your executive chairman, is sits on some of the some of the bigger global uh, areas for hydrogen. And you are doing, we'll get to electrolyzers in a moment, but the hydrogen business is no joke for Cummins. I mean, this is the real deal. Can you pick that up, Jose? Yeah, Alan, I'm glad you uh, you describe it as a hydrogen business, uh, sometimes internal to Cummins. And this is not our turn, but uh, we talk about the hydrogen economy. And by that, we mean that uh, there is an abundance of things that hydrogen uh, can do for the economy. It's not only about transportation. Uh, if you think about today, part of the hydrogen economy is uh, most of the hydrogen produced today is for ammonia production. You just think about ammonia and the world is going and there is a larger population and everybody needs more food. So we're definitely going to need more hydrogen. We're going to need more ammonia. Uh, you think about other processes that the world needs, like steel production and plastics, is the same scenario. So it's just a full ecosystem of hydrogen. That's where we believe in hydrogen. One of the reasons why we believe in hydrogen, not only of the potential that it has, certainly for transportation, being a fuel that can be transported in a very similar manner as natural gas and for trucks, what that means is range for their trucks. But it's also supported by a full ecosystem of this hydrogen economy that could lift it up and help this industry and just the entire economy push it out. So that's what we see in hydrogen, Alan. Yeah. You know, y'all talked to at Cummins on your earnings call uh, last week, I guess, and Jennifer did and, and Mark Smith, your CFO, talked about uh, the electrolyzer business. And and you've already said, actually a couple of years ago, I looked it up, you said you expected a $400 million in revenue from hydrogen production by 2025. I think you told the analysts you might be 6 to $13 billion worth of new power business, a lot of that in electrolyzers, you know, by the by the next decade. This is something that fascinated our readers. We saw quite a bit of, of pickup on that particular coverage. Um, I want to understand how you look at electrolyzers, Jose. 
Yeah, the way we think about electrolyzers, again, is just this complement to what we do in the company, which if you think about our company, we're a co company that leverages economies of scope a lot. And think about electrolyzers, hydrogen production, which is essentially a fuel cell in reverse. Uh, with a fuel cell, you take hydrogen, you produce electricity, and with an electrolyzer, you take electricity and you produce hydrogen. So very similarly, so now we can look at both sides of the coin and then have fuel cell production and experience for producing electricity and power, and then we have electrolyzer for, for producing that energy. And in particular, electrolyzers, Alan, is picking up a lot of attention from utilities. Uh, as you think about the world moving into a renewable energy and the intermittency of, say, wind and solar, and uh, the classic examples of, well, now when the sun shines the most time, that's when people don't consume electricity. So what do we do with this excess electricity? It's the same with wind. And now enter electrolyzer that you have an ability to produce hydrogen and essentially store that energy that is produced uh, by a wind farm or a solar farm. You are storing that excess energy in the form of hydrogen, and then you can release that hydrogen for electricity purposes and back into the grid, for example, when the sun is not shining or the wind is not blowing. So it becomes a very virtuous cycle, uh, especially for the grid, firming the grid, what they say in renewable energy. So that's one of the big things that we see, Alan, in electrolyzers. Hey, Andrew, let me ask you about hydrogen in general. What is your forecasting show? Is it, uh, does it get a hockey stick kind of growth or is it something that is just gonna sort of bounce along a little bit? What, what do you guys see there? So the, we do see growth in hydrogen. We see a lot of opportunity in hydrogen. Um, but the big concern that we have right now is infrastructure. So building up that infrastructure and leveraging the technologies that uh, Jose is talking about on the electrolyzer side is a, a big driver that once that happens, uh, like I mentioned earlier with production in place, being able to do uh, H2ICE or a, a hydrogen ICE engine is going to just feed naturally into both uh, fuel cell and then also on the power gen side for a, a fuel cell or fuel stack, fuel cell stack based um, generators. Um, a lot of that has, has a lot of opportunity there. So we do see opportunity for hydrogen, um, especially just because you can use existing ICE basis for it um, to meet the emission standards. Sure. Jose, I want to finish up um, our discussion with some of the some of what's happening in the industry right now. We just today, you know, uh, put up the latest trailer numbers, which, of course, doesn't uh, involve you guys. But we did see a bit of a, a, a bit of a slowing uh, in, in the truck business in January after a very strong December and a fourth quarter. Um, there's a lot of pent up demand out there. How do you see the market for engines? Let's start with North America. I don't our audience isn't going to be as concerned with the globe, but let's talk with North America for a moment, if you could, Jose. Yeah, Alan, um, I think as more of your audience knows, uh, we're still have a high degree of pent up demand. Uh, it is no secret that the past couple of years in the industry, there's been higher demand that the industry has been able to supply. And as we go into this year, that continues to be true there's still some residual demand for the past couple of years of essentially people not getting the amount of trucks that they need, even to meet replacement demand, forget about growth, even just to meet replacement demand. So we still have a little bit of that. And uh, the way that translates into uh, the trucking industry for us as tier one suppliers to an OEM and a, 
an OEM manufacturer of drugs, that translates into a very strong Q1 or Q2 of these years. Uh, that's what we have good uh, line of sight, uh, Alan, of the next six months, maybe even into the next nine months. It continues to be as strong, maybe a little bit down from last year, maybe flat, maybe a little bit up, but they're definitely not uh, a complete slowdown uh, from, a, from a production perspective. Q4 is still to be seen. Uh, we don't have full visibility of what happens there, but I can tell you right now that uh, in both medium-duty truck and, and, and heavy-duty truck, more so in medium-duty truck than heavy-duty truck, but both of them, we can see the demand that is coming into our manufacturing plants and it's still pretty strong. Yeah, okay. Andrew, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Your take on the, on the market. I'll give you 15. I'll be generous. Your take on the market of uh, engines in the next, you know, uh, yeah, this, over, this, over the next year, I, I completely agree with yeah, Jose. We see, yep, yep, just for this year, we still see uh, continued demand, pent-up demand, especially in medium and uh, light commercial vehicle space um, moving through the end of the year. Class 8, same. We expect it to be relatively flat uh, year over year, um, plus or minus a few thousand, but relatively flat. Uh, medium duty, if, if possible, we would actually see up a little bit year over year, um, and then light commercial as well. Okay. All right, guys, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, Truck Tech is off next week because of the global supply chain uh, week activity here at FreightWaves. We'll be back on March 1st, um, and we will be uh, in in uh, we'll be entertaining, I hope, Alex Rodriguez, not the baseball player, but the CEO of Embark Trucks. I hope you'll join us then. Thanks, everyone.